This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and this week I'm joined by Robert Harvey as we look back on the remarkable life of the late Jim McLean, who sadly left us on Boxing Day of last year. Football is far greater than any one individual. Jim McLean James Yule McLean was born in Lark Hall on the 2nd of August 1937, the second of three boys who would become professional footballers and managers. His older brother Willie turned out for several teams, while his younger brother Tommy played for Kilmarnock and Rangers, winning major honours with both clubs. Their grandfather William Yule had also played for Rangers, and their father Tom also played football so the sport very much ran in the family. The three brothers had a strict upbringing in a teetotal household with the family belonging to the Plymouth Brethren Church. Jim began his career at his local club Lark Hall Thistle, following his father Tom and older brother Willie, and played as an inside forward. He moved to Hamilton Academical in 1956, and scored 57 goals in 129 appearances, enough to earn him a move to Clyde in 1960. While at Ackes and Clyde, Jim was a part-time player, working as a joiner when not plying his trade on the pitch. In 1965, he made the move to Dundee for £10,000, and at the age of 27 became a full-time player for the first time in his career. His debut for Dundee came in a derby match to forget, as local rivals Dundee United thrashed the Dees 5-0 at Dens Park. This remains Dundee's record margin of defeat in a derby. Jim spent three years at Dens Park, but was not universally popular among the Dark Blues support. He attributed this to having to replace the likes of Charlie Cook and Alan Gilzean up front. Jim became unhappy when Dundee signed George McLean from Rangers in 1967, meaning he was used in a deeper midfield role. And in the summer of 1968, he was sold for £3,000 to Kilmarnock, where he joined up with his younger brother Tommy and elder brother Willie, who was a coach there. Jim finished off his playing career at Rugby Park, retiring there due to injuries. In his playing career, he scored a total of 170 goals in 474 appearances. Former Clyde player John Divers called Jim McLean the best player he played with, even going so far as to say he was a better player than his brother Tommy, and a better crosser of the ball too in an interview. A controversial view. The progression from playing to coaching was a seamless one for Jim, who was hired by Dundee's manager John Prentice in the summer of 1970 as the first team coach at Dens. In his time coaching at Dundee, he gained a reputation as a hard disciplinarian who demanded everything from his players, and Dundee United director George Fox remarked that Prentice's Dundee side, coached by McLean, always looked at the peak of fitness. When John Prentice announced that he would stand down from the manager's post in the summer of 1972, 
many assumed that Jim McLean would be the perfect man to stroll into the Dennis Park hot seat. As fate would have it, that was never to be. Dundee United FC was formed in 1909 as Dundee Hibernian and played their first match against Edinburgh Hibernian in that year. Struggling to attract fans and stay in business with their Irish identity, the club decided to rebrand themselves as Dundee United in 1923. For many years, United were considered the wee team in the city, with a smaller, less developed ground at Tannadice Park, which was just down the hill from the large Archibald Leach-designed Dens Park. United were thought of as a yo-yo club for many years as they went between the first and second divisions. Stability would arrive in 1959 with the arrival of Jerry Kerr as manager and immediately United became established in the top flight of Scottish football. Scandinavian imports such as Lennart Wing, Finn Dossing, Mogensberg, Finn Seaman and Orjan Persson gained a name for themselves at Tanadice, and in 1966, Kerr's side dumped the mighty FC Barcelona out of the Fair Cities Cup. To this day, United remain undefeated against Barcelona in competitive fixtures. In November of 1971, Kerr announced that he would be standing down as manager and taking on the job of general manager at the club, leaving a vacancy at Tanadice. With the news that a vacancy was available for a management job down the hill, Jim McLean somewhat reluctantly decided to apply for the role. Having seen his work at Dens Park, the Tanadice directors were impressed by the young applicant and they decided to take a big risk by replacing their most successful manager to date with a rookie boss. On hearing that he had been given the job, McLean was astounded, but immediately got to work. According to George Fox, the very first thing he asked United board for was a stopwatch to help his players improve their speed. A comprehensive youth system was set up immediately to scout the country for the finest young talent Scotland had to offer. McLean also visited some of the younger players and convinced them to reject other clubs and stay at Tanadice. Ralph Millen, John Holt and David Dodds would have been playing for Celtic, Aston Villa and Dundee respectively if Jim had not paid them a visit. McLean also used his extensive network of contacts and his knowledge of the game to bring players in from other Scottish clubs and keep United in the first division. And they climbed the table steadily from ninth to seventh in the first three seasons. The first real sign that United's were a different proposition came in 1974 when United reached their first ever Scottish Cup final. Unfortunately, they lost 3-0 to Celtic but Jim McLean's team was heading in the right direction. The following season, they finished fourth in the league. 
The revamping of the first division into the Premier Division in Scotland in 1975-76 led to a real danger of relegation on the final day. But Jim was able to keep United up alongside Aberdeen by virtue of goal difference. While United's other rivals, St Johnston and Dundee, were relegated to the new first division. With that blip in form out of the way, Jim's side were now looking up. The story of Jim McLean at Dundee United coincided with another young manager making waves at another club away from the traditional old firm duopoly. Alec Ferguson had been a decent striker at various clubs before hanging up his boots and turning to management. Following a short spell at East Stirlingshire, Ferguson moved on to St Mirren, but despite success at Love Street, was sacked and went to Aberdeen in 1978 with a point to prove. Building on the foundations of the team that his predecessors Ali McLeod and Billy McNeil had, Ferguson was about to take Aberdeen to the next level. While McLean and Ferguson were fiercely competitive rivals, they were good friends off the park having first met on an SFA coaching course in Largs in 1964, but they were always desperate to outdo each other in terms of achievements. The rise of Dundee United and Aberdeen in the 1970s and 1980s coincided with a particularly fallow period for both old firm sides in Glasgow, leading the Scottish press to dub the East Coast rivalry as the New Firm. Years later, Ferguson would say, My adversaries in England were always Jose Mourinho, Rafa Benitez or Arsene Wenger. But believe me, my biggest adversary in football was Jim McLean. The first major face-off between McLean and Ferguson came in the 1979 League Cup final. A 0-0 draw at Hamden Park led to a replay at a packed Dens Park where after not being at their best in the initial tie, United turned up and blew the Dons away in the replay 3-0 with a Willie Pettigrew double and another goal from Paul Sturrock. One of the older United directors was crying with happiness, admitting to Jim McLean that night that he had never ever expected his team to win a major honour. But this was just the start. The following year in 1980, United retained the League Cup at Dens Park against Dundee, winning 3-0 thanks to a strike from David Odds and a Paul Sturrock double. The Glasgow Herald described the 1980 final as a battle between a vibrant David in United and a sleeping Goliath in Dundee, and mentioned the way the tables had turned in the City of Discovery. Dundee could no longer claim to be the city's number one force any longer, and that was all thanks to one man. United now had two major honours and continued to be one of the top forces in Scotland. And they had also got used to the taste of playing in Europe. Under Jim McLean, they would qualify for 14 European competitions for 14 consecutive seasons. But he also had his eyes on another prize the Premier Division title. In 1980, Alec Ferguson had achieved a title with his Aberdeen side, 
United finished fourth. You can bet that McLean also wanted to win that big prize. United had done well reaching the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup in the 1982-83 season, but they lost to Bohemians of Prague. But while disappointed at losing in Europe, the silver lining was they had a real chance to win the title, although there was tough opposition from Celtic and Aberdeen. United went on an excellent undefeated run, only to lose 2-0 to Celtic in early April. They thought they had blown their title chance. But less than a fortnight later, they played Celtic again and triumphed 3-2 in the east end of Glasgow. With only four games remaining, McLean's team were in the driving seat. Three successful 4-0 wins against Kilmarnock, Morton and Motherwell kept them at the top. For the away game at Morton, United paid around £6,000 for supporters' buses to take fans to the game. While Jim's detractors would accuse him of being tight with money, he knew that putting the buses for the fans would give United an advantage of having what felt like a home crowd for their game at Capolo. Only one club stood between United and a title now, and that was their local rivals, Dundee. On the last day of the season, United walked up the street to Dens Park to battle for the title. Win by any margin and the trophy would be United's. Lose and either Celtic or Aberdeen, who were both only one point behind, could clinch the title. Aberdeen beat Hibs 5-0 and Celtic beat Rangers 4-2 at Ibrox. The team that Jim McLean put out on the 14th of February 1983 at a packed dense park was Hamish McAlpine, Derek Stark, Morris Malpass, Richard Goff, Paul Hegarty, Dave Neary, Eamon Bannon, Ralph Millen, Billy Kirkwood, Paul Storrock and Davy Dodds. The substitutes were John Holt and John Riley. Dens Park was buzzing with around 26,000 fans in the ground. It was so busy that fans struggled to get into the terraces to see the match and some fans were still outside on Tannadice Street. Four minutes into the match, Paul Sturrock passed the ball from the centre circle to Ralph Millen, who took the ball on a mazy run before chipping the ball over the helpless Colin Kelly in the Dundee goal from just over 20 yards out. one nothing to United. It was about to get even better. In the 10th minute, David Neary was brought down in the penalty box and upstepped Eamon Bannon to score from the spot kick. While Bannon's shot was saved by Kelly, he followed the ball up and smashed the ball into Kelly's net from point-blank range to make it 2-0 to United. With only 10 minutes gone, the Tangerine away supporters were going wild with delight. And it could have been even better had a Davy Dodds effort from a Paul Storrock cross been awarded by the referee. 
Mike Aiken of the Scotsman newspaper believed that the ball had crossed the line, but it remained 2-0. Seconds later, the game changed completely when a future United player, Ian Ferguson, scored for Dundee to make it 2-1. Many will recognise the name Albert Kidd as the man who single-handedly ruined Hearts' title dreams in 1986. He also nearly broke United Hearts, as a header from him in 65 minutes should have gone in, but it went wide. United were looking a bit shaky, and it looked like it might be Dundee's day. But in the end, Dundee could just not find equaliser, and when the referee blew the final whistle, Dundee United were the champions of Scotland. As the United fans celebrated, Jim McLean was hoisted onto the shoulders of his players and paraded around the pitch. He broke his famously dour character to raise a smile. Jolly Jim had done it. In addition to the league flag and the trophy coming to Tannadice, now there would also be European Cup football to look forward to. All this success had certainly not gone unnoticed, particularly in Glasgow. Rangers had appointed their former captain John Gregg as manager in 1978, but had failed to win the league in this time, while Celtic, Aberdeen and now Dundee United had managed to win titles. The Ibrox board decided Gregg's time was up to deliver a title, and they had their sights on one man. Jim McLean went to Glasgow for an interview where the board offered him arguably the biggest job in Scottish football. In the end, Jim turned them down, leaving the board to appoint Jock Wallace for a second time instead. Why did Jim McLean turn down the Rangers job, a job he would surely have excelled in? The main reason seems to have been Rangers' archaic sectarian signing policy, whereby the club would not sign any Roman Catholics something that had not been an issue for Jim at Tannadice. McLean later said in an interview, They started talking about my wages, and I says, Hold a minute. There's one or two things I want to see where we're going and where your intentions are. I've got a really good team at Dundee United at the moment, but there's some of them Catholics and some of them Protestants, and I don't care. But if we're unable to sign Catholic players, we just finish the interview now because it would be hypocritical of me coming here knowing that I couldn't sign a Catholic. The Ibrooks board told him that he could sign absolutely anyone he wanted, and the sectarian signing policy would be history, but he still turned them down, and so they missed out on the hottest name in Scottish football. In any case, Jim and his family were settled and happy in Tayside, so much so that he even turned down an offer from Newcastle United the following year. On the subject of other jobs, McLean had impressed Jock Steen enough with his coaching acumen to appoint him his assistant at the Scotland national team. He assisted Steen for four years in the early 1980s, including at the 1982 World Cup in Spain, but quit to focus on the job at Tannadice. While there may have been talk of McLean taking over the Scotland job when there was a vacancy, 
particularly after Jockstein's tragic death, he was uninterested due to his dislike of the SFA. He may not have managed the national team, but he certainly had a major impact on it in terms of players called up while at Dundee United. In his time at Tannadice, 12 players received Scotland caps. Prior to Dave Nery's first cap in 1973, the only players who had ever been capped for any country while playing for United were the Swedes Orjan Persson and Lennart Wing in the 1960s. And so, on to Europe and the chance to show the Jim McLean brand of football in the European Cup. In the first round, Hamron Spartans of Malta were defeated 6-0 on aggregate with two 3-0 wins home and away. The Belgian champions Standard Liège were next and after a goalless draw in Belgium, United came out all guns blazing to blow Standard away 4-0 at a packed Tannadice. In the quarter-finals, Rapid Vienna were next and following a 2-1 defeat at the hands of the Austrians in Vienna, their manager Otto Baric told the press that Dundee United were the poorest team he'd ever faced in Europe. Big mistake. Jim McLean made him eat his words at Tannadice as a 1-0 win courtesy of Davy Dodds was enough to put United through to the semi-finals on away goals. Dundee had reached this stage of the competition in 1963 when they played AC Milan and now it was United's turn to try and go one better than their neighbours up the street. All was going well at the halfway point in the semi-final and United went to the Stadio Olimpico leading 2-0 thanks to goals from Davy Dodds and Derek Stark. According to Paul Sturrock, Roma's manager accused the United players of being on drugs. In truth, Roma just couldn't handle McLean's pressing style. The second leg of the tie was to be bitterly disappointing for all at United as Roma, aided by a crooked referee who years later admitted to taking bribes from the Roma board, won 3-0 thanks to some very dodgy decisions. McLean claimed that although he had the videotape of the semi-final second leg, he could never bring himself to watch it back as it left a bitter taste. Despite this, United proved themselves a credit to Scottish football and before too long they would be back on another long European adventure in the UEFA Cup. The 1986-87 season was to prove a momentous one for Jim McLean and Dundee United. It would be a mammoth season for United's fairly small squad of players with 67 competitive games played in total. The League Cup campaign stalled at the semi-final stage against Rangers, but in all other competitions they were doing well. This season is best remembered for the UEFA Cup exploits, but they could almost have been over before they even began. In the first round of the competition, United faced RC Laws of France, and were beaten 1-0 away from home. However, they recovered to win 2-0 at home and progressed to face the Romanian side Universitatea Craiova, who were beaten 3-1 on aggregate. Yugoslav Slade, High Duke Split were up next in the third round 
and a 2-0 win at Tanadice thanks to goals from Jim McAnally and John Clark were enough to win the tie as the away leg finished 0-0. The draw for the quarterfinals was about as tough as United could have got. They were due to face Terry Venable's Barcelona side that contained British talent such as Mark Hughes and Gary Lineker. This would be Jim McLean's biggest managerial test yet and he described the difference between the two sides as a corner shop against a supermarket. Over 21,000 people packed into Tanadice to see the Arabs take on the Catalan Colossus and United shocked many by winning 1-0 with a goal from future Scotland stalwart Kevin Gallagher. Ahead of the return leg at Camp Nou, United were all the sports press were talking about. And with English sides banned from Europe following the Heisel disaster, this made for a brilliant story. Sure, the Terrors had triumphed in 90 minutes at home, but surely Barcelona would make light work of United over 180 minutes. Sure enough, Ramon Caldera scored in the 40th minute and the tie was all square again. But against the Jim McLean side, you could never really relax fully. With extra time looking all the more likely deep in the second half, Paul Sturrock took a free kick and John Clark was able to get on the end of the ball to head it into the bassinet. The small band of United supporters high up in the gods erupted in sheer delight as the Catalan heads went down. But that wasn't the end of it. Ian Ferguson piled more misery on Barca by scoring another goal for United, one goal from time, and United were through to the semi-finals. The cameras headed straight for Jim McLean, and Martin Tyler asked him if he'd like to be chaired on his players' shoulders, as Terry Venables was by his players after big victories. The answer was no with a tongue-in-cheek explanation that he worried his players would be tempted to carry him to the Tay Bridge and throw him off it. Borussia Mönchengladbach were beaten 2-0 on aggregate in a dramatic semi-final after a goalless draw in Dundee. United were now only two games away from immortality and the UEFA Cup itself. They would be facing a hard test from IFK Gothenburg of Sweden in order to get there, however. On the 6th of May 1987, United lined up at the Ulevi Stadium in Gothenburg, where Aberdeen had triumphed in the Cup Winners' Cup final against Real Madrid just a few years before. A crowd of around 50,000 turned up for the occasion, and by all accounts United gave a good impression of themselves, but lost a crucial goal in the 38th minute to Stefan Petersen. After 90 minutes, the score was IFK 1, Dundee United 0, and the second leg would be played at Tanadice. But before that, there was the small matter of a Scottish Cup final to attend to. United had reached the Scottish Cup final after a 3-2 semi-final win over Dundee with Ian Ferguson and Paul Hegarty sharing the goals between them. To complete Jim McLean's trophy cabinet, all he had to do was beat the unfancied St Mirren at Hamden. While the final was highly anticipated by many neutral fans, it was a dull affair 
that went to extra time after 90 goalless minutes. The Glasgow Herald reported that the Scottish Cup almost died of boredom. Even the TV commentary team of Archie McPherson and Terry Butcher were struggling to keep their audience involved in the match action. The game came alive in extra time when a cross came in from the far side at the east end of Hamden and United's Ian Ferguson put the ball in the net. As the United players and fans started to celebrate, the linesman raised his flag for a tight offside on Kevin Gallagher, who was on the goal line. A big let-off for St Mirren, who went up the park soon afterwards, and their number eight, who was also called Ian Ferguson, put the ball past Billy Thompson. St Mirren lifted the trophy after a 1-0 win in extra time, and United were devastated. What looked like Jim McLean's best ever chance to win the trophy that had eluded him for many years was gone, and he had to pick his team up for IFK coming to Tannadice for the second leg of the UEFA Cup final. Already down 1-0, they lost a crucial away goal in the 22nd minute as Lennart Nielsen made it 2-0 to IFK on aggregate. This meant United would need to score three goals to win the trophy. In the second half, John Clark scored in the 60th minute to make it 2-1 and give United hope. But despite giving it absolutely everything, the Arabs just couldn't get another goal. The game ended 2-1 and it ended up being a crushing blow as United had lost two cup finals within one week. Many United players would later say that the Scottish Cup final defeat would play a big part in the UEFA Cup final defeat as it was hard to pick themselves up. The United fans were very sporting and applauding IFK and UEFA recognised them with the very first Fair Play Award from which the club would use the prize fund to build the Jim McLean Fair Play Stand in years to come. The Scottish Cup would continue to frustrate Jim McLean in the remainder of his time at Tannadice. In 1988, United faced Celtic in the final, but lost 2-1 after leading 1-0 through a Kevin Gallagher goal. On this occasion, Frank McAvenny single-handedly ruined McLean's day. In 1991, United reached their 6th Cup final under Jim McLean and faced Motherwell, who were managed by Jim's brother Tommy. The 1991 Cup final is generally considered to be the greatest ever Cup final in Scotland and was given the tag of the Family Final because of the two brothers facing off against each other in the dugouts. This match also had significance to both the McLean brothers as their father Tom had passed away not long before the final. The final was a hugely entertaining match that saw United equalise in the very last minute of normal time to put the score at 3-3 as the match went to extra time. Unfortunately for Jim, it was to be his brother Tommy's day in the sun as Stevie Kirk solidified his reputation as a super sub, scoring the winning goal to take the cup back to Fur Park after a 4-3 victory for the well. When Jim McLean stepped down as manager of Dundee United in 1993, he was the longest serving manager in Scotland, with 22 years in the job at Tannadice. 
Having held the roles of chairman and managing director in tandem with being the manager since 1988, he remained as chairman until the year 2000. Ironically, the man he chose to replace him as manager, Ivan Golach, was able to win the Scottish Cup in 1994 at the first time of asking. While some may remember McLean's time in the hot seat at Tannadice as almost dictatorial, he was also innovative in employing sports psychologists and dietitians long before they became the norm in football to maximise his team's performances on the park. In 2006, Jim McLean was voted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame and in 2011, he was awarded an honorary doctorate from Dundee University in recognition of his achievements. In 2015, he was inducted to the Dundee United Hall of Fame and remains their most successful manager to date, with his achievements unlikely to be matched or surpassed in Scottish football. A statue of Maclean is planned for Tanadice, and at the time of this recording, the statue is finished. It is hoped that once the current pandemic eases, a public unveiling will be able to be held with fans in attendance. Jim McLean passed away on the 26th of December 2020 after a long battle with dementia. But the legend of the man who single-handedly took Dundee United by the scruff of the neck and lifted the club to huge success will never die. As a news report about his success put it once, Dundee is a city of four J's, Jute, Jam, Journalism and Jim McLean. As long as football is played in Scotland, people will always talk about the fantastic achievements of Jim McLean. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr and Richard McBrearty. Additional material from The Jim McLean Years, produced by Dundee United FC, The Guardian, BBC and Independent.ie.